Hello, and welcome to Focus, the Catholic Answers podcast for living, understanding, and defending your Catholic faith. I am Cy Kelly, your host. And uh, defending our faith becomes uh, more difficult, it seems, as the society becomes less and less attached to the values that have gotten it where it is now, as as our, we are become more and more morally innovative, I suppose is one way to say it. Uh, it becomes harder and harder for the Christian uh, to find a place and to know how to uh, live the Christian vocation in that situation. And one of the areas where we might struggle as a matter of fact, many of us do struggle, is the area of free speech and uh, the, especially the extreme uh, liberal position that really uh, the, 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 um, the remedy for speech you don't like is, is more free speech, not less uh, free speech. But does that apply to the extremes of pornography, the extremes of uh, political violence? So where, is, where is the line uh, to be drawn? We'll try to get a Catholic perspective on that uh, this time. And uh, for, to help us do that, we have Dr. Chad Pecknold, uh, Associate Professor of Systematic Theology at uh, at Catholic University of America. And uh, he's he works uh, in, in, well, in all that he does, he works in a variety of different areas, but in all that he does, uh, he, he refers us back uh, to St. Augustine, the great work of St. Augustine. So perhaps we'll apply that a little bit this time as well. Dr. Pecknold, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Uh, we're, we're arguing over free speech in part these days because uh, of what's going on on college campuses, and you're on a college campus. So if I may, let me begin there. Uh, what do you make of what's happening with, I mean, the president of UPenn has lost her job, other presidents under pressure, students uh, saying really uh, uh, outrageous things about genocide and whatnot on college campuses, and, and the nation divided over it. Where, where do you come down on all this? Well, we've been ramping up to this for a, a number of years where we, you know, I mean, cancel culture, I don't think we quite grasped what was going on with cancel culture, but cancel culture was was part of the ramp up where you you saw one professor after another kind of getting vilified or you got you got a, a cancellation attempts left and right and now you have uh, the presidents of the most elite universities in America the most elite uh, defending students uh, who are basically calling for intifada against uh, Israel. They're calling for the genocide of Jews. And and uh, recently, uh, the Republican uh, congresswoman from New York, Elise Stefanik, uh, asked President Liz McGill from Penn, um, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Which should be a really easy thing to answer. <laughs> It right, it, one would think, yeah, yeah. You, and that should be very simple. You know, is you know, you could say you could. There'd be hard cases that you could find, but let's just let's just take an easy case. Like if I called for the genocide of Jews, would that violate your code of conduct at Penn? And McGill says, "Well, maybe. Well, but maybe not. Yeah. It's it's context dependent," she said. It's a context dependent thing. If the speech becomes conduct, that is, so long as you call for genocide of Jews but don't actually perform the genocide, it's okay. Wow. Now, now that is just extraordinary. Um, now, now she she lost her job because of donor pushback at Penn. 
uh, and not because anyone really had problems with her defending uh, uh, these denunciations uh, of of students. Um, but Claudine Gay at Harvard kept her job. In fact, the board doubled down and defended her um, precisely because Harvard actually only believes in certain kinds of free speech. Harvard actually agrees with Claudine Gay that Claudine Gay also defended uh those students who were calling for the genocide of Jews uh, and calling for intifada, uh, she defended them and Harvard defended her. She kept her job. Why? Because Harvard doesn't think that Claudine Gay said anything that was wrong. Wow. They believe she, they believe she is correct. Uh, she was hired precisely to defend the catechism of identity politics. But isn't this... I mean, and, and, and I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here a little bit, but yeah. isn't, mm -hmm. isn't this what we want? Universities where anything can be discussed? I mean, isn't that what will be said in response uh, to you? Uh, uh, well, we, you know, we, we can't like everything that everybody says, but it's the debate that matters. The debate, um, and, and here I think, you know, there's no debate. Um, there's no debate that is about truth or goodness. There's only the slandering of Jewish students, the harassment of Jewish students yeah. uh, in defense of Hamas. Okay. That's that's not that's not a prudential. That's not an area in which we have disagreements. Like we might disagree on tax policy. We might We might have yeah. legitimate disagreements, right? About um, about development of doctrine for you know, put it into Catholic terms. We might have disagreements as we currently have, I think, about development of doctrine. And there there can be, you know, some free discussion uh in the as so long as you're pursuing truth. This is not anything like the pursuit of truth. This mm. is this is demonizing Jews in order to side politically with the minority, Hamas, right? Uh and but Harvard doesn't care about that. Harvard has a God, the Trinity of diversity, equity, and inclusion, this idolatrous Trinity. Um, and it's a jealous God, which is siding with Hamas against Israel's God. Um, I, I just think it's extraordinary. Uh, Harvard isn't even hiding it. It's it's sort of like, you know, when you're Harvard, you can get away with it. Uh, they let you do it. Um, uh, yeah. And... And that that just tells us that Harvard doesn't feel that it needs to make any apologies. It doesn't need to appeal to liberal values. The Wall Street Journal, wonderful editorial page, but they the editorial board almost naively says asks why they have put identity politics ahead of liberal values, and the very easy answer is because they can. Yeah, that's right. Because if, if, no, if there's nobody there to say that's so unacceptable that, for example, there's no more federal funds going to go to you or your um, license uh, uh, to to be to operate as a as a nonprofit is 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 uh, revoked. No, there, there's no threat to them of any sort. Well, now it's interesting that you say that because my friend Senator J.D. Vance put forward a bill uh, just just this last week. Uh, proposing a 35% tax on endowments precisely to 
you know, pushback oh. against this, because I think you need to, you know, if liberal values are no longer, no longer something that you can appeal to because they don't, they don't, they're not actually committed to liberal values. Um, and there might be good reasons for that, but, um, uh, the, the liberal values of toleration and neutrality are not going to sway them. You're not going to say, hey, we need more viewpoint diversity. They might be swayed on a 35% hit on their endowment. <laughs> so so I think, I think you know, um, Senator Vance actually, you know, has, has a good idea to, to sort of remove perverse incentive structures, you know, and to, to actually threaten what they do care about, which is money. Money, yeah. money, money is at least as important as identity politics to them, and that they're actually correlated with each other. Well, I have to say, it's been the conservative side of the American political spectrum that has complained that there's not enough free speech on college campuses. When, for example, president, I mean, uh, uh, professors, uh, instructors of all, at all levels at the universities, uh, say one of them were to tweet out something like, I don't know, uh, human humans are a sexually dimorphic species. And now this would be hate speech, of course, because we're not a sexually dimorphic species. There's an infinite number of uh, genders that you could, uh, you see what I'm saying? So yeah. we, it seems like we who would like to say normal things have been uh, defended by the conservative side in uh, as far as our speech rights go. Um, so I, I feel like I'm at a confused point now. Do we want m more or less free speech? Well, I think I mean it's been a long, it's been a long-held approach of liberalism, both left and right liberalism, to appeal to more more freedom is always the solution to some violation because liberalism is built on toleration. It's built on this myth of neutrality. And I think the the case of these three elite institutions really brings us to an inflection point because they show us that liberalism isn't isn't operational anymore. Liberalism is not operational anymore. So when say conservatives who have been in the long habit of appealing, especially libertarians have been in the long habit of appealing to having the solution to every conflict being more freedom. Now, when those who have power actually don't honor that, don't, don't value that, yeah. they're not going to give you more freedom, then you're in this very, very uh, new situation in which you can't appeal to more liberty. You have to make a moral argument. You have to make theological arguments. Um, I mean, I, I think it's not accidental that what has replaced the appeal to liberty for places like Harvard is an appeal to something like a woke political religion. The mm -hmm. appeal to like very ultimate values, you know, like they feel their cause is just when they are taking Hamas's side, right? And denouncing Jewish students. Um, yeah. They feel their, their cause is religiously viable. And I think this is very much tied. I mean, it's, it's, the flight of universities for a long time, uh, the flight from God, the the flight from a a medieval Christian foundation for the university to this woke political religion as a kind of new foundation for a post liberal kind of university that has has shunted both Christianity off and liberalism off and is now on the 
this new trajectory to a brave new world um, has conservatives kind of spinning um, in circles yeah. around this idea that the solution's got to be more liberty. They're, they're, they're like, um, they don't realize that liberalism is dead. What, what, the, what the Harvard case shows you is that liberalism no longer has power amongst so-called liberals. I see. So the in, the institutions that have been long identified with liberalism and even turns of phrase or or habits of speech that were uh, that that attended to a a, a liberal a bent of mind have now been entirely uh, subsumed under a different kind of authoritarianism. Right. I mean, the 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 common conservative complaint is that they have a double standard, that they're hypocrites, but actually. Um, they're only hypocrites. They only have a double standard if they actually believe in liberal neutrality. Right. Okay. But well, they don't. They don't believe in it. Um, they they have the power. They're using it. Um, and and essentially, their view of power, their view of freedom, is collapsed into their view of power. You you have freedom if you have power. And they have the power. Wow. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't mind playing devil's advocate with you a little bit, but I do want to yeah. be cautious about one thing, and that is I, I don't want to identify in any way with the attacks on Jews because this uh, this sense of anti-Semitism that actually has made Jewish uh, citizens, uh, particularly Jewish students on these campuses, feel afraid, feel that they can't function at liberty. They are not at liberty. That's the opposite of 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 the society that we want. And and so well, I, go ahead. Agreed. You, yeah. No, agreed. And and this is where I think actually the Catholic the cat a properly Catholic, that is a Catholic who's not um, made a compromise with liberal approaches to free speech or religious liberty, a, a properly Catholic approach, say a Catholic college president could have a very different response and actually a much more uh, uh, a response which aligns us and, and would defend uh, the Jewish students. So so Harvard has detached from liberalism. So should, is, the, is the answer then for the Catholic that we should be more committed to liberalism? Or does our Catholic faith have a better response than liberalism? Yeah. Well, let me, let me get you there by a little bit of a circuitous route then, because I would sure. I, that, I want to address exactly that question. But it does seem to me that there's a debate among Catholics, or there's a there's a at least an uncertainty among Catholics about liberalism itself, because yeah. Christianity, uh, as liberal governments dawned uh, here in the United States, in Europe, in South America. Um, the Christianity did fine for a long time. Christianity, the, the, you know, many Christians elected, Christians uh, institutions flourished and all of that. And then we move now to what you would call a post-liberalism or have called a post-liberalism. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then some would say, well, look, we can do fine in a truly liberal state. But once you move into this post-liberalism, the world is no longer safe for anybody uh, who's not just in in with the group that that exercises raw power. So here's my question to you: what, Were we always wrong to make an uh, an alliance with liberalism, and and now we're just seeing the fruits of that, or is there a way in which? And and I want the listener to know when we talk about liberalism, I'm not talking about the current you know Democratic Party versus Republican Party. I mean the the form of government. Were we always wrong to make an alliance with that? Or, uh, and then what happened is it collapsed into this 
ugly post-liberalism we have, uh, 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 or were we right? And it it doesn't necess- it's not necessary that it will collapse into this ugly post-liberalism. Yeah, I mean, there's a few questions in that. I mean, I think I think the Catholic Church in its encyclicals, in its papal teachings, has always opposed liberalism. Liberalism is an error. Liberalism, uh, uh, meaning the social contract that put together a new unity between nations uh, in contradistinction to Christendom, right? The medieval yeah. unity that the church provided for Catholic nations uh, throughout Europe and the world, what what the missions that, that founded, you know, uh, many Catholic countries outside of Europe, um, the social contract of liberalism uh, was a flight away from that. Yes. It was a flight away from that. And so the church always has condemned that. Um, the church has sometimes uh, given prudential license to make compromises with liberal orders. Right? Sure. Pope, right. So, so that, so there's two questions. Uh, w- to the extent that anyone made a com- any Catholic, and there were liberal Catholics throughout history, uh, throughout modernity, who made commitments to liberalism, those were wrong, right? Not every prudential compromise with a false political order is wrong. Sometimes you have to make compromises, right? Sure. Yeah. So, so that that's one distinction. I, I think I think the other thing is to is to say um, liberalism has an intrinsic instability um and it is it was going to collapse under any set of conditions okay because it's because it's intrinsically unstable and its principal instability is that it's a flight away from the church okay so i you know i actually think most christians don't know this story as a matter of fact many christians think that the liberal order is the equivalent of the christian order that this is what it's it's the equivalent of the protestant order so liberalism arises out of the 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 need to put together a new uh, Martin Luther uh, calls the German princes to himself to you know separate from the Pope and yeah. and to align with Lutheran religion and that replicates itself across Europe and so you get a a new kind of Protestant unity and that is the origins of early liberalism then you get the social contract theorists from you know, Hobbes to Locke to Rousseau, who develop liberalism into uh, a, a understanding of governance that is much more like what we assume uh, in modernity today. Uh, that That is, to some extent, aligned with American and French revolutionary ideas, uh, which were very much opposed to the Catholic Church. Uh, and so we have, we have, I think, uh, two things. We have the fact that liberalism in theory is always opposed to Catholicism. It's a flight from Catholicism from the very beginning. It's early on a Protestant order for the nations, but it quickly is a flight even from a Protestant organiza- organization mm-hmm. of society to a secular um, and that secularization, that flight away from the church leads to a flight away from God, a flight away from Christ. This is why, you know, it's not accidental that you, you know, go from having uh, New York buildings lit up with the cross in the 50s to now having to 
deal with satanic temples in the Iowa Capitol. It's right. the trajectory. The, the trajectory of this thing is a flight away from. That doesn't mean that there was that the that there was never anything good within liberal orders, but it means that it's it's constitutively uh, uh, built on ideas which flee from Catholic truth. And I think that is yes. right into the very idea of liberty itself. And this is, this is, I think, what touches the free speech question and what touches the religious liberty question is the very false notion of liberty built into liberal orders. Liberal orders are predicated on an idea of liberty as license, that you're free to do what you want. So even when we say, okay, how are we going to fix this free speech problem at Harvard? We say, well, we'll just give more free speech. Yeah. But yeah. that that is the idea of liberty as license, as Pope Leo XIII said in the 19th century. This is at the heart of the liberal problem. And he said that if you pursue this idea of liberty as license, just give more and more and more liberty, it will ruin your society. It will it will kill your society, and he was right. <laughs> yeah, but they probably called him a reactionary and a, a nut job for saying something like that. But of course, a uh, uh, hundred and what thirty or forty years later, uh, that looks like prophecy. Of of course, it was going to collapse. He he writes this in his encyclical Libertas. There are many who imagine that the church is hostile to human liberty, having a false and absurd notion. As to what liberty is, either they pervert the very idea of freedom or they extend it at their pleasure to many things in respect of which man cannot rightly be regarded as free. And uh, he specifically uh, focuses on religious liberty, that the modernist has an idea of religious liberty, which means that anybody can believe anything they want. But he says that's not that's not an area in which we are free because what we are free to understand is the truth. We're free for truth. We're not free for an indifference to the truth. And so freedom isn't license. Um, that that's a basically Pelagian idea that Pelagius thought that our freedom was in our power to choose. And Augustine, you mentioned St. Augustine earlier, and I, so I mention him now. Uh, St. Augustine thinks uh, that's precisely uh, uh, the devil's philosophy, that, you're, that your freedom is precisely in your, your freedom to choose whether or not to eat the fruit or not eat the fruit. Um, no, your no, freedom your, is in not eating the fruit. <laughs> your freedom is in conformity to God. Yeah. That's Your freedom very, is in conformity to truth. That's un-American. What you're saying right now is un-American. <laughs> I mean, it's certainly contrary to a liberal yeah. view of the American society, which um, you know, I think I think there's lots in our history which which tells against that. But that is the liberal narrative of America, and sure. I think I think we, I think the Catholic college president has a much better position to defend. Like this issue in particular, if you think about this issue, okay, like what what should a Catholic call it? Like, let's say Harvard, it wasn't Harvard, but it was. Well, I won't I won't embarrass any Catholic college, but let's imagine a, a faithful Catholic college. Sure. And and if this had happened on campus, well, for one thing, it would be a sign that some terrible moral deformation was happening with the students, and that a Catholic 
college president would need to actually speak clearly about the issue at, at hand. Could, could the Catholic college president have a better answer? I think the Catholic college president who knows the church's teachings, knows Pope Leo's teachings on the nature of liberty, would have a really ready and excellent response to, to Congressman Stefanik's questions, okay, which so- is that— so it, it, the the Catholic response would be, this is absolutely out of court. This this is not free speech, right? This is disordered speech, and we should suppress it, and we should punish those who speak slanderously and violently against their neighbor. These people are speaking contrary to the truth, and they're speaking contrary to goodness, and therefore, because of our commitment to truth— we can restrict speech when it uh, is actually wicked. And this is a clear case of wicked speech, genocide against Jews. That is wicked. And a, and a college president should be able to say, yes, that is wicked. And uh, in my capacities as president, I will, uh, we will punish these students. We will send a message that this is not a kind of speech that we regard as free. Because in order for speech to actually be free, it must be ordered to truth. It must be ordered to goodness. And calling for the genocide of Jews is neither. I, I think that the average college student would say, well, well, who are you to say what's wicked and what's not wicked? Why does your view of wickedness trump mine? Well, I mean, in a sense, because you, you actually can know that violence, uh, calling for violence towards your innocent neighbor is wicked. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I mean, you? Can you? We've had abortion in the United States <laughs> since 1972. Can you say that anymore? Well, I think the Catholic college president should say that, yeah. and and has a duty to say that. And and honestly, I, I think is in is in a far better position. So you think, well, what would be good for the country then to be to have its universities run by Claudine Gay? In, in this way, or would it be better to have someone who actually has moral arguments, who yeah. have moral arguments about what is actually good for people and what is actually evil for people? And the question is, uh, you know, what do we do when students call for the genocide of Jews? And one, one response is give people more freedom to say more absurd things. But I think the Catholic response can't be that. No. It, can't be, it can't be you need more freedom of speech. The response must be no. We believe in free speech, but we don't believe in absolute free speech. We believe in conditional free speech. Free speech is conditional on its pursuit of truth and goodness. If your speech is ordered to truth and goodness open to the fact that maybe you're wrong about something, but that you're pursuing uh, what's true and good, um, uh, then within legitimate discourse, you can have disagreements. Um, And certainly Pope Leo and Libertas allows for that. You can have disagreements about, uh, about things, and there's a legitimate freedom for that. But when you are calling for wicked things that cause uh, all sorts of wreck all sorts of havoc for society and which call for vicious things, uh, which slander people. And we have, I mean, cancel culture is nothing if not telling falsehoods about people habitually in order to ruin them. Right. Sure. And, and that is what free speech gives you. 
what? free speech free speech gives you the uh, absolute free speech uh built on the liberty of license gives you uh the tools the devil's tools for actually wrecking all the social bonds just uh, tearing them apart well if i may i want to try two examples then and, and see if you can apply your a catholic standard to these for me because uh, honestly the this kind of speech uh is horrific but i do think that the, uh, in american jurisprudence the most outrageous uh, free speech defense is the defense of graphic pornography. So that right. we we now have graphic pornography everywhere. We have thousands upon thousands, probably millions of children whose lives are, uh, I won't say irreparable because God can heal anything, but, mm -hmm. but profoundly damaged at six, seven, eight years old because adults yep. can't, cannot tell other adults, don't put that on the internet. Now, how does – because we say, look, uh, people have a right to this. Uh, I don't agree with that. I believe that's wrong. But I would like you to explain to me as a theologian, how can yeah. I – how can – how does – how is a Catholic to think about pornography as free speech, for example? Okay. This is a great example because – what is pornography? What drives pornography? What, why does pornography exist? It exists for the pure and simple reason of, of masturbation, self-abuse. At, at the heart, why does all this pornography exist? You, you could say, well, it's technology, but that's a, that's a kind of instrumental cause. What, at the heart of it, it's, it's the notion that, that we should be free to pursue any pleasure that we want. Yes, right. Yeah. A sort of a sort of moral, a sexual licentiousness yeah. that we should be able to, and we will, we will not like this idea, but uh, because everything in our society has told us that, you know, people should be free to do whatever they want in their bedrooms, or people should be free to do whatever they want to do with their bodies. My body, my choice. Um, but masturbation is self-abuse. It is the misuse of your freedom, right? Yeah. And so, and so, pornography is built on that. It's built on on the misuse of freedom. It's built on this misuse of freedom, and then what happens? It begins to degrade all the social bonds. It begins to degrade women. It degrades men. It begins to degrade the social bonds. It begins to touch our children. It used to be that the pornography was up on the top shelf in the, yeah, yeah. In the, in, in the, right. in the shop, you know, but now it's in everybody's pockets. And so your four-year-old can see it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so you see that, that this false view of Liberty that has infected our view of sex then comes in and creates, right. This false view of Liberty creates the demand for masturbation and for pornography and breaks down the social bonds. And then we then we then try to view it through this other lens of liberty as license in the realm of speech. And it's completely confusing to us. We think, well, is that free speech or isn't it free speech? Yeah. yeah. Of course it's not free speech. It's not ordered to goodness. It's not ordered to, tr to truth. So it can't be counted as free speech. But then it's also just a category mistake because it's not speech. It's actually the promotion of self-abuse. And the promotion of self-abuse leads to the abuse of others, including the abuse of, of our families. Yeah. 
and our marriages. Okay, so, so that's that, my that's my answer is that this is actually all tied to what Leo condemned as liberalism's uh, false notion of liberty. Liberty is license rather than liberty is ordered to truth. Okay, so those would be the kind of those are the two phrases that I can take uh, as a Catholic. Am I determined to stay with this liberty as license idea, or am I willing to embrace the Catholic teaching of liberty mm -hmm. as ordered to truth? You are free. Yeah. You really genuinely. I mean, when, for example, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, never sinned, but she's a perfectly free person. You don't need mm -hmm. sin uh, to be free. She gets to all of the choices that anyone ever had a right to, she she is free to make. Uh, but so th I, I do think there's some sense that people have that, well, if I'm if I'm not free to, um, uh, if I'm not free for wickedness, then I'm not free at all. Yeah, I think that's not the church's view. And in fact, Leo himself condemns it. Okay. Um, he condemns that view um, uh, because because uh, he, he, he actually cites St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas as condemning that idea. He writes, St. Augustine and others urged most admirably against the Pelagians that if the possibility of deflection from the good belonged to the essence or perfection of liberty, that is, you could, liberty requires you to, uh, to be free to do the wrong thing, then God, Jesus Christ, the angels, saints who have not this power would have no liberty at all. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Well, let me give you one more example because I do think for people like me, the concrete examples help to take these um, what sound like abstract ideas and, and solidify them. And I want to use an example that you just gave because I don't know how to answer this one. I'll be quite honest with you. I don't know how mm -hmm. to answer the person who says, look, if you want to have uh, the crash, you can have uh, the crash up for Christmas. But, yeah. but uh, if it's on public property or I don't know, whatever the argument might be, uh, you're going to also need to let the Satanic Temple uh, put Baphomet uh, uh, greeting the children up uh, as well. Baphomet being the kind of symbol of uh, the current uh, forms of Satanism. Mm -hmm. um, and so you mentioned the Iowa State House. I did not know this that the Iowa State House, good Lord, Iowa of all places, the Iowa State House has a has a statue of Satan out front, Baphomet. <laughs> and so, mm -hmm. but how? So what's the answer to that? N not just a a kind of pragmatic, how would an American lawyer, you know, lawyer this up? But I mean, what's a solid Catholic answer to what should be allowed on the grounds of the state house? Yeah, I mean, you know that uh, this Mississippi, this failed Mississippi political candidate came in and destroyed the uh, the Baphomet. I, I didn't know any of this. So, I am so. I got to pay so, more attention to Iowa. No, I didn't know. No, I mean, so exciting. I mean, poor, poor, poor Iowa. <laughs> I mean. What I what I find incredible about it is is that I, I'm sorry to say there were even Catholics who wanted to say who wanted to defend having a satanic temple in the Iowa Capitol on grounds of religious liberty. I mean, imagine defending yeah. a satanic temple. I just I, I, I unfortunately there are some who are so committed to liberalism even when liberalism itself isn't committed to its principles anymore. Mm -hmm. The Catholic might be the last liberal standing at, at sometimes. But um, I think that I, I mentioned earlier that Leo's prime concern wasn't freedom of speech, but but the the false view of religious liberty. And and we have a duty to worship God. Um, and we have 
a duty to worship the true God. And so our freedom for religion is a freedom for the truth about religion and not the freedom for what is contrary to God, namely the devil. You just will not allow any freedom disconnected from truth. You seem to Correct. think the truth is very important, Dr. Peck. I do. Okay. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can have I don't think that you can have a free society apart from it. Pope Benedict actually taught this. Yeah. You you can't you cannot have a free society apart from truth. If if you if you if you dislodge liberty, if you if you decouple liberty from truth and goodness, then what's going to take truth and goodness's place is power. Yeah. Whoever has the power to set up the satanic temple has the freedom to set up the satanic temple. The right. proper understanding of, of religious liberty is that it, it must be intrinsically ordered to truth and goodness. And um, while I appreciate that there might be some Satanists who defend it as true and good, and I... Um, seems unlikely, I, but okay. <laughs> see, seems unlikely. Um I think it's easily ruled out, and in a in a in a civil society that at least has some sense that Israel's God, that that the God who comes to us in Christmas, the incarnate Lord, uh, is still Lord of the universe. Mm -hmm. That Israel Israel's God is still in command of the world. Uh, insofar as a society believes that, they have every incentive to set up laws which would exclude satanic temples in their state capitals or in their federal capital. So I, I think I think the arguments are fairly easy to make once you grasp the the nettle of the thing, once you grasp that what we're really involved in here is a religious battle about what is at the foundations of a society. And what is a society ordered to? Is it ordered to God? It, can it be said to be publicly oriented to God? Can it be publicly oriented to the truth? Can it be publicly oriented to goodness? Or is it simply oriented to a license which will absolutely lead to self-destruction and it kind of civilizational suicide, which is what we're experiencing. Well, that's what I, I just wanted to end on that uh, point, actually, because it does sound like what you're saying is uh, that Leo is saying that a society disconnected from the truth, where the, where the, conce when the conception of freedom is disconnected from truth, is not a viable society. It will not last. If that is the case, then the choice- He, said, he says that it will insidiously work the ruin of the state, his exact words. Boy, this will boy. lead to insidiously work the ruin of the state. It's a hundred years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, who can argue with him now? But, but this is this seems to me that there is uh, at at root because um, uh, I I don't believe that the United States is going to refound itself uh, on this basis. I don't believe that it's it it has that within it. So that means the United States will fail. Yeah, I mean, we could hit rock bottom before we ascend back up. Yeah, oh, it's hard, hard. <laughs> even even that is more hopeful than I am. You actually have more hope than I do. Uh, like I, that that this seems to me that ill-founded, uh, ill fortune. Like it, it's there's there's. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this geographical space will continue to exist until <laughs> the end of the world. So well, that's comforting. That's so. <laughs> What happens with that is a 
is I think, you know, oh, I see. Yeah. Right. What happens with our geographical space is a question. I don't think, I don't think that, um, I don't think that we can predict actually. Okay. okay. Fair enough. That's fair. I enough. don't think that, I don't think we can predict our future. I think humans are very, very bad at prediction. Profits are very good, but profits are very good at prediction because it's not actually prediction. <laughs> it's God yeah. dictating yeah, something right. for That's them. Right. So, but we're very, very bad at prediction. What I, what I do think is that Leo is right is is that this view of liberty has led to our ruin. Yeah. And and the question is, you know, after liberalism, after after the we look at the ruins and say, what have we done? Where do we go? Is, is, hmm. is any, is any better order possible for our kids? I, I actually think the Catholic has a duty to actually do that imaginative work to actually, for okay. the sake of his, for the sake of his neighbor, for the sake of his children. Like, what am I supposed to tell my 20 year old son? Sorry. <laughs> there's there's no future for you here. Find a different country. What am I supposed to tell my two-year-old twins when they're able to know what is the future for them in this country? You don't have a country anymore? I think as a Catholic, I have to say our citizenship is in heaven, and we have we have a much better city with which we can bring wisdom as Catholics to reorder our own time and place to to bring something of the salt and light of heaven in into the world that we live in and i think we we actually have to work hopefully and leo absolutely believed this that the, okay. the catholic the, the catholic absolutely has to uh, even even the liberal third republic which was completely anti-catholic and anti-clerical leo had hope for so we can change this thing we can we can move this thing uh towards god I was with you until you uh, made the French our hope. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm giving I'm giving them as an example of, of being aligned with the Satanic Temple, but uh, yeah. But 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 Leo said even in, even in the worst regimes, which are which are ordered against the Church, um, the Catholic still has to stand up for right order. Praise it, God. You can't right. you can't you can't throw your hands up in the air simply because that would be a failure of charity to your neighbor. Uh, Dr. Chad Pecknold has been our guest. I love these conversations. I'm so grateful that you do them uh, with us. Uh, thank you. Th thank you for taking the time with us. Always a pleasure. I love talking to you, Sam. Uh, and then thanks for thanks to our listeners. If you want to get in touch with us, you can always uh, send us an email. Radio, no, no, send it to uh, focus at catholic.com. Either one, radio at catholic.com, focus at catholic.com. Here's a little secret: they both go to me. So whatever, either <laughs> either way is fine. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to support us financially, especially as we approach the end of the year, perhaps you're making those kinds of considerations. Uh, you can throw us a few bucks at give catholic.com give catholic.com there is a one million dollar limit so please don't go over that give catholic.com and wherever you're listening if you give us five stars and a few nice words that will help to grow the podcast and we are grateful for any help you can give us i am cy kelly your host we'll see you next time god willing right here on catholic answers focus mm -hmm.